You'll remember just before Christmas, I was joined by Melissa Harvey for an episode of Social in Six. If you don't know her already, Mill is Social Chain's content marketer and the brains behind every article that you read from us, be it on our website or through our newsletter. And by the way, if you aren't reading those already, why the hell not? We have got write-ups of every interview here on Social Minds that dig deep into the actionable insights and top takeaways from our interview guests. You'll be hearing more from Mill through Social and Six in the near future, but for this episode, she took the interview reins to question today's guest, Laura Kay, the Global Social Media Director at Booking.com. In this, we heard how Booking.com says you should handle customer complaints on social, how to put creators to work and make them work for your goals, and why travel porn is playing second fiddle in favor of ownable, distinctive content pillars for the brand. How do you differentiate a brand when your customers have so much choice? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of industries deal with this. I mean, your classic is kind of Nike and Adidas where you're all selling sportswear, but how are you differentiating yourself? And I think when you get to that place when there's a lot of competitors in your market and products are similar, you have to really lean into the brand. You have to connect on a more emotional level rather than just on a product level. Because even if you have the best product out there, you know, there will be competitors in, in certain markets and you need to make sure that you have an edge over that and, and you're able to connect more on a human to human level than just on a product level. And I think you'll see that in every industry that's that has a lot of competitors from athletic wear to dog food. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So online travel agencies and travel brands, they all post like super polished and aspirational travel pics, um, which is, you call it, travel porn. Yes. Uh, so that kind of content always does the numbers, but it doesn't really stand out. So what's it been like trying to distance yourself from what gets engagement and vanity metrics to focus on what actually drives recall and intent, even if it's not as pretty? Yeah, it's, it's something when I joined Booking.com that I immediately noticed that the engagement numbers were really, really high, especially for a brand. Um, but when you look at the content and you look at the content versus what competitors are putting out there, it was very, very similar. So we went back to basics a bit and looked at what our social value proposition was. So, you know, back to marketing, social media marketing 101, you know, what is that sweet spot between what people want and what a brand can get credit for? So we are shifting, moving away from just straight travel porn, which... You know, at the end of the day, sometimes it's nice to post that because you yeah. will get really high engagement. And it is what people are really looking for because yeah. um, in social media, inspiration is such a big thing. So it really mm. hits on that. Mm. But we're looking at ways to insert our brand organically into content. So whether it's putting ourselves into travel porn in some way, giving influencers branded products that you can see subtly, things that won't disrupt the viewing experience, but will kind of meld into it. Um, but then also shifting completely and building um, content around more the emotional side of travel. Um, so we're looking at the booking experience. Obviously, we're booking.com. Lean into the booking experience and the emotions around that. Um, finding these aspects that you can really relate to as a traveler. And that puts us much more at the, the core of the, the content. And we are kind of approaching this in, I think, a very social media friendly way where we're creating these repeatable constructs that we call content series. 
and we'll put them out into market. We'll put them into the feed, test a few times, like two, three times. And if we see that it's successful, then we'll keep creating that kind of content. We have a really big entertainment first approach to social media marketing. Because if you look at how users are using it, you want to be like a user. You want to be the human version of the brand. So we're trying to act like a human yes. and put human content because, yeah, people you will respond to, to that. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, if you look at how people use social media, the first thing is always connecting with friends and family. Mm -hmm. You want to know what they're up to. You want to put content out there that lets them know what you're up to. But then the second thing is wasting time watching content that's entertaining yeah and if you look at entertainment as a medium it's actually quite powerful i mean people create identities around entertainment you know the fashion choices that you make um the places that you want to travel to entertainment is inspiring these things i mean if you go back to like sex in the city days like everyone identified with one of those characters yes. so it really like shaped personalities yes. Yes. and you see that in so many different ways so we were like what well why don't we lean into entertainment like as a brand we can create this entertaining content because we know how travelers act like we have a, a plethora of data to see how these decisions are made and just looking at the comment section of, of any piece of content, you can see how people are making decisions, what they're being inspired by. So we're taking all this information and thinking, how can we create an entertaining version of this that people would willingly want to consume? Yeah, I think that's key, isn't it? Is like what you mentioned before about um, kind of think not thinking of yourself as a brand necessarily but thinking of yourself as more of a user and like we want to show up on social the way that other users like show up on social rather than being a brand and then that will ha kind of help guide like the content that we put out and like how people respond to it and stuff because yeah people respond to people exactly i mean we obviously we are a brand so we do have messages we want to put out there yeah. you can do it in human ways so we have to find that version of the content that does really resonate to a regular human, mm -hmm. but also as a brand tells the brand story, tells shows the brand products. Um, so yeah, it's it's really that sweet spot in between the two is mm -hmm. I think as what every social marketer should aspire to find. So some of your best work comes in the form of your unique content series, which you've talked about. How important have owned social content series been for your mission to differentiate the brand? And which ones are you most excited about? Yeah, I, I mean, for us in finding differentiation, which is a big um, focus for us right now, it's really the, the only way we've been able to do that. So we've found a lot of success with these content series overall. So we started this approach the beginning of this year and we've already looked at year-over-year -year metrics just last year versus this year where we are now and we are two and a half we have two and a half times the engagement we did than we did last year so it's working in terms of getting people's eyes um, on the attention or eyes on the content and I can give you just a few examples of, of how we're doing this so booking's mission is to help everyone experience the world um, and so we have to figure out creative ways to bring that to life, both on a brand level and a product level. We also look at how people are um, viewing content, what kind of content they're viewing. Yeah. So we look at the data in Instagram, in Meta, in TikTok, 
we find what kind of content is resonating within the travel space and what locations are trending, Mm -hmm. what uh, locations people are searching for. And we take all that data and put it into what kind of content we're trying to create. So an example of this is itineraries are huge. People want to see like how to spend a weekend in Paris, yeah. how to spend a layover in the city or, or week-long itinerary um, in this country. And we're like, okay, how can we create like a really fun version of the travel itinerary? So the idea was 15 minutes. How can you spend 15 minutes in a city? Obviously, it's taking it a bit to the extreme, <laughs> but it shows you how the, the best bits in one yes. specific city yeah. that you can literally do in 15 minutes. So we have someone actually do it. Um, uh-huh. And so we're finding locations that people want to go to based on this data. So, for example, Lisbon, really popular. Um, what can you do in 15 minutes there? Then we work with a local content creator that actually knows what's going on and then film her running, him or her running around for 15 minutes and create a really fun, you know, 45 second video on what you can do in 15 minutes in Lisbon. And on the brand side, of course, we always are pulling in a booking.com bookable attraction. Mm -hmm. So whether that's you can book a scooter or bike to get around, you can book um, tickets to a museum, tickets to a catamaran, these things are naturally inserted mm-hmm, into this 15-minute mm-hmm. itinerary. Yeah. Um, so we, we do that across all of our different products. You know, what is a really interesting content series, repeatable format um, way that we can bring this to life? That's so that's so interesting, like about the the 15 minute concept. It's quite like unique, I guess, because whenever I'm planning a trip for like myself, I will always look on like Instagram or TikTok or whatever and scroll and see what I can find. And I get most of my ideas from these videos rather yeah. than a Google search or something. Like it's like um, you know, it pops up and I'll be like, Oh, this is some cafes, like the best brunch spots in Lisbon, for example. Exactly. I mean, that's the user behavior now. I was reading and and I don't remember the the research partner that did it but TikTok is surpassing Google for Gen Z in in terms of search so when one Gen Z is going to travel that is what they're doing like what to do in Mm -hmm. New York City they put it in there and then the content will pop up we as a brand want to be in what pops up in that content yeah 100% So other brands help you get there, but you've said that Booking.com wants to make the booking experience itself enjoyable, even though it's stressful for a lot of people. Can you give us some examples of how and where you've used that space as a creative platform? Yeah, so Booking, again, they're trying to make it easy for everyone to experience the world. Travel can be quite stressful. The content that we're putting out there is promoting both the, the general booking product, which does make travel easy, you're, you're given so many different options no matter what you desire. So if you want a five-star hotel or you want a hostel, you're going to get a plethora of options there. So we have to find interesting ways of bringing that to life that doesn't feel like we're selling you a product. We've done this with some product differentiators that booking has so one of them is if you are someone that's traveling but you're concerned about sustainability so they have the option to filter by hotels that 
are much more sustainable. They've done actions to be more sustainable within their communities. Additionally, if you're in the LGBTQ plus community, you have specific anxieties around your travel experience. You're checking into a hotel with your same sex partner. You don't want to be asked, oh, do you want separate beds? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Things, small things like this, but also, also bigger things. Um, there is a way to filter on booking.com travel proud accommodations. And these hotels have all taken a training so that they know kind of the, the nuances within that, that travel experience. Mm -hmm. So again, we are creating these content series that is showing these different products in a way that is consumable, shareable, so that you learn about, about these products and, and how we can make it much easier. One of the things that I'm most excited about moving forward is how we activate influencers in this way. Because if you have any sort of like niche needs within your travel experience, yeah. it's difficult to show them on our own to kind of produce right. content. You really need that to be authentic. Yeah. So we are going to be working with influencers from all different backgrounds. And I don't mean like um, sexual preference or race. I mean you have a family with 11 kids, or you wanna travel with your six dogs, or you're a mermaid and you and you don't like to take off your mermaid fits. I mean, it can, be, it can be a bit extreme, but I think this will just help people that have, you know, if you have two or three kids and you're anxious about traveling and then you can see someone yeah. with 11 kids and yeah. how they travel, um, it's going to really ease your anxiety around travel. It's like representing every type of traveler, isn't it? Exactly. And I think that's something that the Booking.com platform can help with in, in so many different ways. I mean, if you have social anxiety or um, any sort of like disability, there's ways to filter things or even where you read the reviews where you can see if accommodations or car rentals, flights, they can accommodate to these special needs. You mentioned um, sustainability earlier, and it made me think of a question. How? Because I was doing some reading around for an article I was writing about like travel and and what that kind of like Gen Z consumers want out of their trips. Yeah. And it turns out that like this is becoming really important to Gen Z travelers when they yeah. book a place to stay or a destination. And so, have you found that kind of considering sustainability is that something that has like been more important to you very, very recently or has it gradually kind of been become more important? Or? Yeah, um, booking.com is definitely trying to be a leader in that space. Obviously there's aspects of travel that are inherently unsustainable. Yeah. Going in an airplane, driving a car, but there's ways to make them more sustainable. And I think the industry will see that and hopefully we will see technology that helps make riding in an airplane, taking a flight, you know, carbon, carbon neutral. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, in terms of kind of trends, that's something that we see within our research all the time, that people are looking to travel in more sustainable ways. I think a lot of people want to do it, but then they don't have the option. So we need to kind of help accommodations, help travel partners become more sustainable, find ways to make travel more sustainable, then more people will know about it and want it and you kind of get that snowball effect. Um, so I think we're just really at the beginning of sustainable travel. So um, any customer service brand or industry has to deal with complaints on social. But what do you do when you put out a great piece of content and in the comments it's just people complaining about their booking, especially when it's the hotel or whoever it is they're upset with and it's not you? 
Yes, this is something um, that we have to see every every day with our content. And again, it's not unique to booking.com. It's not unique within our industry. Mm -hmm. It's not unique outside of our industry. Um, anyone that has customers can can really fall victim to this. You know, you look on Nordstrom's or Sheen's, um, their social media, and, and you see similar people trying to get help with their their purchase, their experience. Um, I don't think it's something that's ever going to go away. I think it's just, it's more important how the brand addresses the yeah. comments. Yeah. Um, just like Google reviews, you can see negative reviews, but then if you see that the company or business responds to that negative mm. review, then you kind of discount it yeah. almost because you know they care enough to respond. So for us, it's about working closely with our customer service team to make sure that these comments are addressed uh, as, as timely as possible. Because um, when you think about customer service in social media, a lot of people have used other mediums to contact customer service and they weren't happy with the outcome. So then they're coming to voice their complaint in social or people just want to start in a platform they're familiar with. They don't want to get on a phone call. So yeah. they'll, they'll start in social media. Yeah. Um, and so we have to make sure that we're able to cater to any and, and all requests. I mean, my point of view is you shouldn't try to funnel them. If you're on Facebook, funnel them to Twitter, or you're on Instagram. People want to communicate in the place where they are communicating. Yeah. Yeah. So on the kind of operational side, that does provide challenges. So we are working really closely with the CS team to just keep improving. Like how can we get a, a, our response time down? How can we make sure that we are able to answer in every language possible? Um, there's there's a lot of complexities that come with it. So unfortunately, I think it's it's just a reality that it will happen, and it's how the brand uh, yes, addresses, addresses it. it that it's the most important part. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. I think yeah, when you're saying about how it kind of discounts it when a brand has addressed it really well, you're right. Like in your mind, no, there's nothing worse than seeing a lot of reviews, bad reviews, and and no one's responded to them, and it kind of makes you think. They, they don't just, care. They don't care. They don't yeah. care. I mean, a lot of it is actual customer service and making sure that the customer, the issue is being resolved. But then there's just brand perception side for someone that hasn't yet used the product or is looking to rebook or um, is just there casually and, and loves the brand. But mm. this would start to kind of chip away at their perception of the brand. I always think this myself when I'm looking at places to stay and reviews and things. I just always think reviews for that sort of thing is slightly skewed more towards people that have an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you have a good time, unless it's some people, some people do leave like really good reviews and they've had yeah. an amazing time. But unless you've had a really, really, yeah, um, good time, you're, 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 or if you had a bad time, you're gonna be more likely to leave a bad review. I, I do take reviews with a grain of salt. I think especially on platforms like booking.com travel platforms i think a lot of the travel partners encourage their guests to leave reviews because they know how yeah. important it is yeah. um i mean have you ever seen an accommodation that doesn't have any reviews you're like oh i don't know mm. like i don't i need someone else's opinion yeah, on this first the, before yeah. before i go um but there's really no reason why it wouldn't be a yeah. good experience but you just put so much trust 
and these other reviews, say, like and they really are important. So I know a lot of companies really try to encourage their their customers to leave reviews, and I do every once in a while, even if I have a good experience. So uh, tell us about your tone of voice work on the brand persona. How did you arrive at Ted Lasso, and what was having that character in mind done for your comms and copy since then? Yeah, I think it's really important when you work at a brand to find a character that your brand really embodies. I think there's so many people that touch a brand's copy that you have to have someone that people can literally watch Mm -hmm. so that they can understand if they're not familiar with the character. And I mean, it's interesting for us being a global brand to find someone that a lot of people recognize like we we went through a few rounds of this and people were like who who does that yeah um so not everyone knows ted lasso but you can go and watch the series if you're unfamiliar with his character um so i mean when it comes to brand personas i think from a brand perspective high level a lot of them are very similar you know it's positive you're funny, funny you're inclusive friendly. you're welcoming you're yes. friendly um, and having worked with a lot of different brands over the course of my career, you you have to find a way to make it unique, unique to yeah. what your brand stands for. Um, so, I mean, there's so many similarities with Ted Lasso. There's, yes, similar to our brand characteristics that we want to convey, but also the fact that he is a traveler. Like, yeah. he is an American living in the UK and experiencing all these new things and having really unique observations about it. So that's what we really liked about him, that he was a fish out of water, which when you travel, you are. Um, And I think for us, it was also a big shift. You know, a lot of travel brands, they want to be perceived as the expert. Mm -hmm. And us in social media wanting to be the human version of our brand, we want to be a traveler ourselves. So in the communications that we put out there. So we have had a lot of fun with it. Um, I mean, another reason that we wanted to use someone like Ted Lasso, who is kind of nerdy and not the cool kid, is we didn't want to be just another millennial, zillennial voice that was really cool and snarky and like had these like one-liners because that's not who booking.com is. Um, We looked at all of the research about how people currently perceive booking.com, which is, you know, it's it's very functional how people perceive because there hasn't been a lot of brand work done for, Mm -hmm. for the company. So people see it as, you know, really great tool. But when you're like, okay, if they were a person, like what, what would you say booking.com is? They're like, I don't know, a guy in a suit? Like, <laughs> So we kind of wanted to lean into that yeah. a little bit. It's so, okay, yeah. we have this kind of boring brand perception, but let's kind of approach it like Superman, who looks like something quite boring on the outside, but a layer deep. They're actually yeah. really interesting yeah. and have and- really unique takes on the travel experience. So, And it's very inclusive, of course. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, I think it really works for for us. And so that's our kind of brand tone of voice from a global level. But then we also have regional channels for some markets. So we've asked our counterparts in those markets, okay, who is the Ted Lasso of your equivalent region country? Um, And so it's been a fun experience to see different characters in different regions that are pretty similar to to a Ted Lasso. That's really clever is having kind of an overall global brand voice and then kind of filtering that down into the regional counterparts because it's what people will be 
most familiar with. Um, And I think having a a person or a character as your brand persona is really good as well, because like you say, you're a global brand. So it's almost like if you're going to sum yourself up in three adjectives as a brand, you can get a general idea of what that is. But if you say, well, it's a person, they're much more likely to be like, oh, I know exactly what they're supposed to say. I know exactly what they sound like. And it's it's a really smart move as well to kind of have Ted Lasso because like you say, he is a traveler. He's a bit of a fish out of water. It's like very naturally aligned with you as a brand. So you've not really gone too far away from what people expect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult kind of every day in social trying to convey uh, a character because you're doing it in so many different ways from what you're posting in the copy to what you're saying in the audio to what customer service is responding. I mean, you don't want to get a witty joke when you have a customer complaint. Yes. But you also want to try to have some sort of unique Unique. voice even Mm -hmm. in in that kind of um, response. So uh, it is a challenge. I was going to say, have you found it challenging? Yeah. Because you are such a global brand. And like you say, I think the the hallmark of like the people who, the brands who do the best have the best like tone of voices all very consistent like you just said across everything even um so like innocent drinks is a really good example because um even in their kind of customer service responses it's it's never the same like they have a stock response but it's kind of you take the stock response and then you do something with it to like not make it all sound the same um but yeah have you found it tricky to kind of implement that across everything yeah it's it's a work in progress for sure um so we're still working on the challenge um but to quote Ted Lasso, taking on a challenge is kind of like riding a horse. If you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. Okay. So yeah, we're Noted. we're continuing to to build it out, and um, it's it's directional. Obviously, we don't want to be quoting him in our copy. Yes. Um, so it's it's definitely just directional. So what steps did you take in that brand voice creative process to ensure differentiation through your copy and the overall tone of your content pieces? I think the the big opportunity for having a strong tone of voice is not just in post copy and in the content, but it's how you're interacting with your comment section, especially in in TikTok, just the broader platform community. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, comments are so important. Everyone races to the comments. So how can we have comments that are really in a, a defined persona or tone of voice where if you read it and you didn't see booking.com you would begin to to yeah. know that that sounds like something that that brand would say yeah so it is something that's ever evolving the challenge and difficulty is like how do you measure if this is working how do you measure if people can tell that this is your brand yeah. um so i think it's just about keeping it consistent um so we're just trying to find that consistency across as many touch points as possible without letting it really um, prohibit what we do mm. or restrict yeah, what pres- we do. Prescriptive. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, it's 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 a balance. Yeah, challenging. But yeah, I think that, like consistency, I always think this to myself, consistency is key. Yeah. You've got to be consistent. If you're going to go for it, like go for it and just have it, make sure it's kind of everywhere people go, website, social, yeah. TV ads. I mean, yeah, I mean, social is challenging because from a user perspective, like you're getting paid ads, you're getting the owned content you're getting influencers that are partnering Mm. with the brand so you're just getting a lot of voices coming from the brand and I mean honestly I think that's fine as long as the the core of the message is is the correct message how you deliver it I think especially in social like each piece of content is its own beast Mm. and you just uh, as a brand 
have to be quite flexible, which I think, you know, social has challenged a lot of brands on and will continue, um, you know, having conversations five years ago before TikTok was big. It was like, OK, how do we make this work in Instagram, but still keep our core brand tenants? And then TikTok came <laughs> over and everything went to shit. And yeah. you're like, well, forget it. Like, you know, like as long as the color's right, it's fine. Yeah, like, fine. yeah. Um, so, I mean, and who knows what's to, to come and, and if podcasts become big for, for brands, like how do you then make sure your brand consistency is mm. is in just an audio form? Yeah, like um, so yeah, medium. it's I mean, as the world evolves, brands have to figure it out. But for me, that's that's the cool part. Um, if it was just you know print and TV all day, it, you know you wouldn't have to explore these different ways of bringing a brand to life, which I think is one of the more fun parts of the job. Yeah, challenging but fun. Yeah. So last time you spoke with us, um, you said that you have a love-hate relationship with influencers because <laughs> unless they're given a p- pure brand message, recall is low. Can influencers be a useful tool in differentiating when so many brands use similar figures in similar ways? Yeah. Um, so yes, love-hate relationship with influencers, but I think that's just because the world of influencers is really evolving. Yeah. Um, and I do think some influencers are moving with the industry, but some are kind of staying in the one place where it's just you know tell me what to say I'll say it when you pay me this much and whether you get a return on it that's not my problem Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot more influencers that are really trying to partner to bring the success um to to bring success both to themselves and and to the business um but yeah I mean we at, at, at Booking, I really love the approach broadly at the company, which is very analytical, like test things, see if it works. If it doesn't, try something else. Mm-hmm. So we are applying that to influencer partnerships as well. So we've used influencers in very different ways, given them very different messages to see where they provide the, the brand the most benefit. Yeah. Um, influencers are a great tool for many things, but they're also not great. For, for everything. So just like, you know, a radio ad doesn't solve all your problems, I think, uh, you know, working with influencers isn't going to solve all your problems either. Yeah. Um, I mean, for example, one way that we found that influencers aren't the best use of budget um, is when you're working with like a big sponsorship. So if we work with an influencer on your average Tuesday to bring out a message, we see that we get good engagement. We see in the comments, people are recognizing that it's with us, the brand, making comments about the brand. But then if we do, for example, work with influencers to promote a travel message tied to a sponsorship like Eurovision, Mm. you go to the comment section, it's just all about Eurovision or the influencer. And like no one even realizes it's because there's too many messages crossing over. So that's not the best um, use for us to to use influencers. I think a lot of brands are just like, okay, we're doing a campaign, make sure there's influencers involved. And we didn't want to take that approach because we're like, well, what are we getting for yeah. this? And we want to make sure that we're using every paid outlet to the best of its abilities. Because at the end of the day, influencers are a paid media outlet. You have print, you have TV, you have paid social, you have influencers. Yeah. Like They are another paid platform. So you have to figure out how to best leverage the influence that they have. Um, so yeah, I, I mentioned one of the things I'm most excited about is something in, involving influencers because I do think they can help you to convey a, 
um, a message in ways that you as a brand wouldn't be able to do. Yeah. It's much more human. It's much more authentic. It's much more relatable. Um, so we're trying to lean into those aspects as influencers rather than just using them as a broadcast message to yeah. get impressions. I guess nowadays, like what you were saying about how nowadays a lot of brands sort of think, how can we use influencers like automatically? It's not even a question. It's just they're like a default part of the yeah. campaign like process. Um, and yeah, I think you make a good point about, well, let's admit like that they are a, a resource. Let's use them to the best of their ability. Let's recognize that they have these great uses, but they're not useful in every single circumstance. Let's, let's get the most out of what we're putting into it. So yeah, yeah, I, think it's yeah I mean, that's one of the, the things that's been a wild west for a while. It's, you know, brands know that they, there's a big benefit to using them. And so it's just kind of put influencers into every media mix. Yeah. But I think brands are getting smarter now and, you know, senior leadership is asking for, okay, but what did we get from using, mm. um, from partnering with with influencers? So we're having to put more rigor into the analytics of it. Um, and, and I do think there are a lot of influencers out there that are totally game for this and they they will, like, this is what I can get you. Yeah. Um, because, you know, eventually it's going to get to a place where it's like, okay, for... 10,000 euros, we expect this amount of impressions. And if you don't deliver that, then you don't get that money. Like uh, eventually it will get to that place. Well, thank you so much, Laura, for coming in. This was really great to chat to you. Um, if you're listening on Spotify podcasts, don't forget we've popped a question for you about what content series you'd like to see next from booking.com. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. It was great to have you on. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. cracking episode there and I must say brilliant job Mill. I hope you guys enjoyed her debut interview on Social Minds Now, don't forget to come back in a few weeks time as always for Social in 6 where this time I'll be joined by our Associate Creator Director Jake Thompson 